Welcome to the Community Podcast, brought to you by the Community Paper. Since 1989, the Community Paper has been sharing good news happening in downtown Orlando and College Park. Your hosts for the show are Orlando native and the paper's publisher, Debbie Gunter, and Orlando transplant and managing editor, Tommy Cardinal. Hey there, welcome back to the Community Podcast. This is our Sweet 16 episode. We have a lot of exciting news for you today. We're going to be finding out what our managing editor, Tommy Cardinal, learned at City Council last week. Scott Joseph was the feature of our CP interview this month. He's one of Orlando's most infamous or famous, however you want to look at it, food critics. And we also met a mail carrier who has become quite the local celebrity in the Mills 50 area. So stick around. So you mentioned Scott Joseph. And speaking of food, we were writing about how magical dining was extended. Yes. Do you know, I I didn't know this, but apparently September is the slowest month of the entire year for restaurants. I should know that since I'm married to someone who owns a restaurant. But um, so September is a great month for magical dining. Um, Visit Orlando came up with the idea and local restaurants for $37, they have a set menu. You can go in and most of the restaurants, they have like some of their key most popular menu items um, available. So you'll get like an appetizer, um, a super salad, main entree, dessert, and sometimes they'll throw in a drink, all of that for $37. And so it's a great deal. And a dollar of that goes to charity. And every year they choose a different charity. Mm -hmm. This year, um, they chose two. Visit Orlando chose two. iDignity is one of them, which if you don't know, iDignity is an incredible charity um, who they help people with no identification, primarily homeless people. They're a great organization. Obtain their ID. Oh, they're it's amazing. And, you know, we always think about homeless people not having an ID, but it's even more than that. So let's just say your house burned down and all of your your birth certificate, your marriage license, your driver's license, you know, everything was in your home and it burned. Then what do you do? Because you need to go get a new driver's license, but you can't do that without your, you know, paperwork, your birth certificate, whatever. So yeah. they, if you go to the DMV, they'll just be like, where's your birth certificate? And exactly. if you don't have it, then you have to and there are so many situations where um, that actually happens. A woman leaving an abusive relationship, she just leaves the house with you know, all of her stuff there. She can't get it back. So, there But are, also the homeless. But And the homeless. So um, the guy, Michael Dippy, who started it, he met a guy at his church, a homeless man who was sitting outside of his church, and he had an $800 check in his pocket that he couldn't cash because he had no identification. Mm. And so that kind of struck a chord with Michael and he um, founded this organization and they're amazing. So they're one of the charities benefiting from magical dining. And then also Pathlight Home, they help the homeless with housing. And so two great charities, a dollar from every meal goes to them. And um, this isn't just happening in downtown Orlando. I mean, it's all over the city, out by Disney, Mm. you know, the Sand Lake Road area. So um, hopefully they'll raise a lot of money. But yeah, it's extended to October 17th. So if you haven't been yet, um, you can go on the Magical Dining website and see who's participating. It was originally supposed to just go through 
September or stopping the third. I think or it was something. like October third. It was mm-hmm. supposed to end, and so they've extended it by two more weeks. I don't remember them doing that before, so that's that's good. Yeah. Speaking of magical dining, Scott Joseph, who we mentioned earlier, did a segment about what to order from each place that's participating in magical dining to get oh, the most really? of your money's worth. Huh. That's cool. You can find that on his website. Yeah. Or his blog. His no. Oh his no. Website. It's not a blog. It's not a blog. Don't call it a blog. Sorry. Website. It's a website. ScottJosephOrlando.com. His whole mission for being a food writer and everything is people getting the most of their money's worth because he grew up in a family that couldn't afford to eat out that much. So when they did eat out, it was a very special occasion. And he wants to make sure that people who are in that same position are spending their money wisely. And that's sort of what drives him, he told me. Um, So we did a CP interview with him, which was like a question answer format. And I think it's a really good motive for doing it. And it was also really interesting to hear how he originally got into food writing. It was just by chance and he had no experience doing it. And it just happened. And didn't he used to write for the Sentinel? He did for 20 years. So I'm sure in the interview, you talk about why he left the Sentinel because he worked there for 20 some years. But what I want to know is how does he eat out so much and not weigh like 500 pounds? So I didn't ask him that directly, but it did come up. Uh, it was funny because he was saying that when he first started the job at the Sentinel, the the person he was replacing was very heavy. And everybody said, oh, Scott, you look like him when he first started. Oh, no. So he like made it a mission. He was like, I'm never going to be like that. I don't want that to happen. So he is very active. And he talked about how he did a cross-country bike trip, but he can't bike that much anymore. I think he was having knee problems, so he's a he's a big swimmer now. Yep, that's what happens when you start to advance in age. They always say to swim. And it's probably what you order at the restaurants, too. I'm sure he doesn't just get fried food every time. And I don't know, though. Do you see his post it, it it's like he'll get like something of everything and dessert and the whole oh deal. yeah i mean i'm always so jealous it's a it's a good way to make a living i'd say well that was great of him to sit down with you what else did you learn anything exciting well i thought it was funny that he said so we were talking about what he does for fun and he said he's a reader but he doesn't really read for leisure like novels or anything but he's a big newspaper reader so he has a new york times subscription and he gets in the mail and everything and i was like oh so i guess you read the food section a lot and he said i don't read the food section at all actually which really yeah i thought that was interesting huh but i guess it's just so he isn't influenced by others I, he explained it in the interview but I, so I thought it was really interesting that he, he doesn't read I, he reads some parts of the food section but it doesn't read reviews okay and we also talked about his break with the James Beard Foundation. Have you ever heard of the Beard Foundation? He was uh, a little bothered about Orlando being shorted every year Mm -hmm. consistently. They would, I mean, Orlando restaurants would make it to the next round, but never pass that round. And he thought it was biased from the judges and everything. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting. They're doing some changes. They didn't 
do the James Beard Awards last year, and they said they're they're trying to focus on having more voices and more diverse judges. But he was telling me that he hates writing negative reviews, but he, he does take a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He flack. He well, yeah, he takes flack. He talked about how he woke up to a fish in his driveway one day because he uh, wrote a bad fish review and he said he thought it was a veiled threat. Um, but well. he said he, he doesn't like writing negative reviews, but if you just write positive reviews, you can't really trust it. Right. Um, so, I mean, he does it for all the right reasons and yeah, he takes some flack, but I think he's a great voice of the Orlando cuisine I love that you scene. interviewed him. He's always seemed so mysterious to me because you, I just, personally, I haven't ever seen him. I didn't know what he looked like. It's always just Scott Joseph, Scott, you know, he was mm -hmm. just like the expert on food. And so to get to know a little bit more about him, I, I love that. Yeah, he's got a great story. And if you read it in the print version, the online version is extended with some more questions that we couldn't fit. Yes. If only paper and printing were free. If only. If only. So just like Scott Joseph used to work for the Sentinel and then started his own thing, you did a story on Mark Middleton, who used to work on TV. He was a journalist on WESH, I believe. Yeah, I think it was WESH. And now he's doing his own thing with Growing Boulder. And you talked a little bit more about that in the September edition. Well, we talked about how Growing Boulder won a statewide award, which was a big deal. But I was looking more on how growing boulder started and i thought it was really interesting we didn't write about it but uh it was just background research and i thought it was really interesting that he was like an anchor at wesh and they he was sort of starting to get turned off by the kinds of stories they were covering a lot of crime things and things like that that weren't Clickbait stuff. Clickbaity uh, violence. And he said that when, when he started to realize that he shouldn't let his children watch his newscast, that that was a bad sign. Oh, wow. And around that same time, a survey, survey results came in for the, the news station did a survey of all its listeners and the first question was, how old are you? And every answer that was above 54 was discounted and they didn't read the survey. Wow. And wow. he knew from other surveys and other readership demographic info that their average reader was 57. Listener, watcher. What do you, a viewer. Viewer. Viewer, yeah. yeah. Not watcher, viewer. But he went to his news director and was like, why are, why aren't we looking at our average readers, viewer, average viewers response. And they said that the advertisers don't care. They're only worried about age 25 to 54. And we're trying to give those results to our advertisers. And he, he didn't. Oh, so he, makes me so sad. I know as I'm approaching 54 this year, Oh, wow. Yeah, so he he used that as a life-changing moment, and he launched his own media 
Good for him. Just like Scott Joseph launched his own and Mark Middleton, he launched Growing Boulder, he calls it. And his whole mission is to highlight people that are, I think, above 50 or maybe 54. And they have a TV show, a nationally broadcast TV show, an NPR show. They have a podcast. We wrote about how they launched a Twitch channel. They have a magazine, right? A quarterly magazine. So they're a whole full-on media outlet with... What a great success story. I love it. Yeah, and they won a statewide award for promoting for having a product that promotes a positive image of aging, which is exactly what Growing Boulder is. Yeah. So that's cool. a great story. It is a great story. Maybe we should do a CP interview with Mark Middleton. Have we done that yet? Yes. We have? Yes. Oh. Before your time. Search Mark Middleton on our website and our CP interview with him will show up from 2017. And it's Mark with a C. One of my favorite things that we do in the paper is helping people get to know, um, you know, their neighbors and high profile people like Mark Middleton. And um, this month we get to know a mail carrier from the Mills 50 area. And I got to tell you, when I saw this guy's picture, you, you know how some people just smile with their whole face? Mm. I just thought, oh my gosh, I want to be friends with him just, just from seeing his picture. And then I read his story and now even more, I want to like have him over for dinner. Well, he seems amazing. When I like drop papers off at businesses or give them to friends or colleagues, I, the first thing they're like, that's my mail carrier. Everybody knows him. He's not like the mail carrier that you don't talk to and right. don't know. Like a lot of mailmen you don't ever see them you don't you just get your mail right and sometimes you have a different one sometimes and mm -hmm. but he's been um in the same area on the same route for eight years the same dennis winston jr he's from a town in arkansas called aubrey and to this right now the town population is 171 people oh my god <laughs> isn't that wild that's insane so he grew up there he he went to college he um quit college joined the army he served in the army um in the military postal department or whatever for four years and then went back to college, got his bachelor's degree in business management and then found himself working for the, the post office in 2005. And he loves it. He knows so much about his, the, his customers. And, um, you know, if something is out of place, like if there's a strange car in a driveway or something like he, He's always keeping an eye out, like mm -hmm. to make sure everybody's safe and there's, you know, nothing going on that shouldn't be. Um, neighbors leave him Gatorade bottles outside. They'll leave a cooler with drinks for him. And um, it's just a total love fest around this mailman. Mm -hmm. And it's it's amazing. How amazing that Annabelle was able to do a ride along and I ride with him all day and learn what he does yes annabelle we miss annabelle annabelle um has worked for us for a couple of years and she just started her official journalism career um with the west orange observer super mm -hmm. excited for her so this was one of the last stories she did for us and um just yeah spent the day with him and kind of got to see how the neighbors interacted with him so highly recommend reading this story if you haven't already it's the cover of the september edition and um, yeah, I, I want to go meet the guy. Yeah. He looks so nice. And also it's one of those stories where the online version is extended. So yes. if you read the print version, you might also enjoy the online version. 
yeah, check it out. So last time we were together, we were talking about all the bad news happening in the world, and we thought it would be fun to share with our listeners some of our favorite, funny, happy, positive videos, and we're going to share them with you when we get back. Okay. Hey, this is Nick Jorgudiu, writer for The Community Paper. I just want to encourage you, if you have a chance and if you know of something going on in College Park, downtown Orlando, Ivanhoe, Milk District, Mills 50, Soto, Thornton Park, all the places that The Community Paper covers, let us know. Whether it's an event or a piece of news, a tip that you think might be worth covering, go to our website, yourcommunitypaper.com, click on contact, and send in your story idea or your event. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks. Okay, so we were supposed to come back with videos. Today. But over the commercial break, we were just criticizing ourselves and talking about how we can do better. But anyways, I the Rose consensus was that we're doing fine and that we need to stop being so critical and that Nick needs to talk more. We missed Nick. Hey, guys. Hey, there he is. How's it been going, Nick? Really good. Really good. It took me all of five seconds to find my video for this week because I think for this episode, because I used to do this all the time. Did you ever do this? Like, especially when you had kids, Tommy, I know you don't have kids, but you have a cat. So maybe mm -hmm. you have some cat videos specifically for your cat, but like find all the videos online so you guys could watch them almost like a family. Like if mm. my, when I'm with my dad and my kids, we watch those videos of the guy, uh, Mark Rober, this NASA, former NASA engineer who created this squirrel um, obstacle course. I don't know if you saw oh, that video. Oh my yeah. gosh, I think I did so see funny. that one. And it but was... those are the types of things we can watch as a family. So it took, like I said, all of 15 seconds. I thought if I'm going to send somebody a link to a video and they're going to watch it and I want them to feel good, I know which one I'm going to send. So I'm curious what you guys uh, came up with for yours. So, so Debbie, mine, what do you have? So mine isn't as much, well, it is a video, but it's lots of videos. So I, lately, life has been stressful. The news has been horrible and it's like all this negativity is constantly like being thrown at us. And There's so a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so I like to find ways to kind of like calm myself, you oh, know, okay. like chill out. And one of the ways I do that is by watching the Instagram videos for Southern Home Bakery in mm. College Park. I know this sounds weird, but they make these videos on them decorating their cookies. And it is beautiful. It is art. It is incredible. And I can just sit there and watch one after the next after the next. It's like mesmerizing to me. Wow. So it's I know it's totally different than what, it's visually yeah. pleasing. It's mm -hmm. very zen. It clears my mind oh, it, I like and, that. and these people are so talented. Yeah. So you guys are gonna have to check it out. Southern home bakery on Instagram. They're located in college park and each cookie is a work of art. And I just would love to know how they learn to do that. You know, I, it's amazing with the things they can do with sugar. It's, it's incredible gold. Like they have this frosting that's shiny gold. It's, it's just beautiful. Anyway, I know that's different than what you guys brought to the table today, but I, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's about an admiration of what people are doing sometimes mm -hmm. too, right? Like, uh, instead of feeling jealous, you feel inspired. Mm -hmm. Like you, you don't want to necessarily, you're not looking at it going, oh, I wish I could make that cookie. It's, oh my gosh, I'm so glad somebody is out there with that level of yes. talent. Feel, yeah. feel good videos yeah. doesn't mean just funny. Yeah. 
Okay, that, good. So yeah. I didn't I fail agree. the assignment. No, yeah, I think mine isn't great. necessarily funny. Mine's just funny. Okay. What was yours? Oh Mine's the back it up, Terry. Back it up, Terry. You've never seen that video. I, I may have, but it's not coming uh, to mind right so now. So it's this guy on a wheelchair, and they're in the middle of the road doing fireworks. It must have been around the 4th of July or something. And he's sitting there on his wheelchair, and they wanted to let him light the firework because it's fun. And everybody was, like, hanging. It was just a hangout in the street lighting fireworks. And he lights the firework, and... He just freezes. He just like <laughs> nothing. He totally stops moving. And the person that's recording the video is like, all right, put it in reverse, Terry. Back it up, Terry. And he's like, it starts going off the firework that it's like a fountain. Yeah. It's, it's one of those. It's not mortars or anything so he's not crazy. Getting hurt. He wasn't getting hurt. So that's the positive. And it just starts going off with him just right there. And the guy that's recording the video is what I think makes it the oh funniest video. He like he's saying like, back it up, Terry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and it's just, just... he keeps amping up, amping up. Tommy yeah, showed this video and... to me this morning and I was laughing so hard. And maybe Nick could just play the laughter at the end of the video will, to yeah. show how funny this video is yeah. and it's one of those videos where it wouldn't be funny on silent but just the crowd reaction mm -hmm. and the guy who's recording in the video is just so funny <laughs> yeah that's a good one nice and so wait your video you didn't tell us about it. Oh, yeah. So it's, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he goes by, his band name is, I think, Winter Gaten. I think he's from like Sweden or something like that. So what he did, he decided one day, incredible musician, he decided to make a marble machine that would play this complete song. And he built this thing using Legos and wood and pieces of musical instruments. It's huge. And there's this video of him playing it and doing one song through it. It's remarkable. It's wow. 2,000 marbles falling. Each time it hits it, it plays a note. It'll play his bass for him, oh um, the drums, everything. And he just pulls levers to make it do different things. Wow. And you're talking about marbles that you flick with your thumb. Uh, they're metal marbles. Oh, okay. So, yeah, in this case, they're a little bit heavier. But, yeah, it's pretty remarkable. I watch it every time. I, I could watch that 60 times in a row and just feel good. That's it's amazing so cool. the things yeah. people build just for like a video yeah or then, just for fun yeah yeah so yeah. clever so if you want to catch our videos that we recommend to kind of put a little light in your life right now you can find the links in our show notes in our show notes uh we'll put them on the website yeah i've on our we do an article for each podcast episode yep. where we link all the stories we mentioned and we'll also put the videos in the bottom you can watch all three in a row and you'll can't feel wait. great mm -hmm. can't wait so you went to city council recently. I did. And there was a lot of action in Paramore specifically. They, uh, the city purchased 13 parcels in Paramore, which turned out to be like several acres. It was all, like a whole city block. I saw that. What are the plans for the area? Do, do they, they don't have yet? any plans. Huh. They, I asked them and they said it was a strategic purchase. Okay. So probably nothing in the short term, but it's right next to the new Orlando Magic training facility that's under mm -hmm. construction. So it's in that area where there's a lot of action happening and who knows what it could be, but um, I think the city will find out what to do with it. I mean, they spent 
$9.5 million on it. So I'm sure there's some use to it. And <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of, lot of money, but I guess for a city block, it's a reasonable price. The family that owned it could have sold it to a developer and made a point to sell it to the city instead. Oh, so I think they trust the city for what they're going to do with it. And I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen, but they trust the city's judgment on what they're going to do. Great. So that was a big real estate purchase. And another thing happening in Paramore is, do you know the Community Redevelopment Agency? Yes. They, they do a lot of things, but they, they have this Paramore Infill Homes initiative where they receive funding from city council. Now they have $4.9 million. Uh, it was $4 million, and they, at the latest city council, they added another 900000 And the Paramore Infill Home Initiative is the CRA pays for the construction of new homes in Paramore. Mm-hmm. The plan is to do 17, and they've finished eight now. Okay. And it's homes that are not as expensive as a regular new home. So it's built with affordability in mind. So these new homes are, I think they're around $200,000 or something. Which so is, is it sort of like a Habitat for Humanity type of a project where the people buying it have to kind of um, qualify. Earn, qualify, thank you? No, there's no uh, prerequisites for buying the house. Anyone can buy it. Okay. But there are assistance programs for people if they have trouble with the down payment. Okay. So the idea is to just add to the affordable housing in Paramore. So all the all the homes in Paramore are pretty much decades old. Mm-hmm. And you can find an affordable home, but it'll be old. This is a way to offer Paramore residents or anyone who wants to live in Paramore an affordable house that's new also. So the CRA owns the homes until they're purchased. Okay. So they paid the developer to build an affordable home, which I think is lacking in, maybe not in Paramore, but definitely around town. Every new house that's being built is going to be upwards of... It's pretty expensive. Five. At least. 500,000 at least. So a new home for 200000 I think, is a great asset for the Paramore community. Um, they've already built eight, so nine more to go, and they have the funding now. That's great. Yeah, you can't even buy a lot in College Park for two hundred dollars anymore. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, lots in Paramore, too. Those 13 lots were $9 million. Yeah, so. <laughs> there you go. So it's not cheap, but the That's CRA nice. is trying to, trying to give more options for residents. Good. So that's a good program I learned about. And uh, the city also approved vaccine incentives for their employees. Okay. So they're not requiring them. They're just incentivizing. They're not requiring them. They're just incentivizing. So just money incentives. Mm -hmm. So $150 for full-time, $75 for part-time. So it's nothing crazy. And with the whole state government thing, pushing back on cities requiring... I think this was this city of Orlando's way to incentivize without requiring. Yeah. Without starting drama with the capital. So. Gotcha. It's a good, good 
way to get more people vaccinated. Sure. What else have they been up to over there at city council? Well, this was from a previous city council meeting, but I thought it was, it's been read a lot on our website. So I think people care about it, even though it's a couple weeks old. The uh, city is requiring electric vehicle charging stations in new developments. Now, the numbers of how many charging stations and so there's two different classifications. There's electric vehicle ready and electric vehicle capable. So the EV ready means it's a parking spot that's reserved for electric vehicles that has the charging port that you can plug your car into. Okay. EV capable, EV ready, or the, the other one is where the wiring is there for if you want to turn it into an EV charging port in the future. Okay. So the city's reasoning for it is that electric vehicles are coming and retrofitting. So if you just have a regular parking lot and you want to install an electric vehicle charging station, the price to do that after the parking lot is built is way higher than, oh, sure. yeah, that than makes sense. build it. So yeah. this saves money for the developers in the long run, Okay, but they have to put a little more money down in the beginning because I think the average price to install one is 50000 Oh, wow. So developers pushed back a little bit, but the city council approved it. So new developments have certain requirements for how many EV-ready and EV-capable charging spots there are so when you say developments are you talking commercial developments or residential developments there are there are different requirements for different types of developments and different sizes i would imagine and different yeah so i think an apartment complex with say x number of units has to has x number of parking spots and for commercial it's less okay so the requirements change depending on the development and the size of the development but it's now a requirement. I think there are some that aren't involved, like, I, I don't know, a school might. I, it's different for each development. Okay. But I think it was really interesting that this is how they decided to do it and just be ready for the next mm-hmm. 10, 20 years because they cited a lot of different studies that said that electric vehicles, that they're not going away. It's not a fad. Yeah. Um, so... And it helps with the green incentives that the Orlando, the city of Orlando has to try to push green development. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. That's great. We cover a lot. We we like to share with our readers and our listeners what's going on with our local government. And you had talked about something, you wrote about something in this edition, Nick, um, about the redistricting that might be there that's coming up. Yeah, and that'll be statewide. But the idea is that, you know, every time the census is done, every 10 years, there's uh, redistricting, which happens locally, uh, which means within the state. And what will happen is your uh, area 40 or district 47, uh, which is where Anna Eskamani uh, is the state uh, legislator. Uh, that will be potentially in a different place. So it may not cover mm. College Park. It may not cover the areas that she's currently representing as we get more districts in. Okay. So there might be, uh, if there's 48 now, there might be 60 in the future because Florida's population has grown that much. And for every X number of 
uh, you know, population, we have one state representative. Okay. And so the thing that, uh, that Anna, that represented Eskimani was saying, um, which I thought was really interesting. And I learned about it at the college park neighborhood association. She was speaking there, uh, was that the state, uh, legislature doesn't have necessarily an obligation to do any kind of public input on redistricting. So she was encouraging people to go ahead and reach out to, uh, their state legislature, their state representative, to talk about that to make sure that their voices are heard, because it's going to happen at the next session, legislative at the next legislative ses- session starting on January 11th, 2022. So uh, make sure that you reach out and that you know you're chiming in on what you think the district should look like, mm-hmm. um, because we don't want to be gerrymandered. We don't want to have these weird looking districts that focus on what a state representative wants. We mm. want it focused on what we think the community is. And uh, there was a graphic, right, that showed the population increases yeah. in Orlando, which or Florida, Florida or the nation in general. In general but yeah. looking at Florida, it was like, I think bright red was plus 10%, and Florida was... Population's Huge. booming, as we know. Yeah, oh, yeah. any kind of and any kind of city centers within Florida, it was really high. Mm-hmm. So that means that does that mean the state of Florida will get more districts? That's and correct. That, yeah. okay. More state representatives, more districts. Uh, I think we got on a national level. I think we only got one additional congressional seat, mm-hmm. and I think they were expecting at least two, but we ended up with just one. But on the local level, from a state representative standpoint, yeah, we're going to have more. And I received an email the other day about the county is doing a doing a series of meetings about the redistricting, too. Oh, so good. The county's involved as well. Yeah, that's perfect. So, so you should get out to that. And you should go to your neighborhood association meetings because then you learn about stuff like this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. As we speak, we are preparing the October edition of the community paper and... Have again, as always, some exciting stories coming out, some very important news. We have a new writer, Michelle Marin, who's starting with us. She's covering the North downtown area and she's been busy um, putting her articles together. What about you, Tommy? Are you going to write about anything interesting this month, next month? I always write about That's something true. interesting. <laughs> no, um, well, one thing I'm writing about is the renovations happening to Camping World Stadium. I don't know if you saw the headlines about the FIFA officials yes. coming to Orlando. And one of the venues that they toured was Camping World Stadium, which is in the midst, uh, midst of a $60 million renovation, which is the finishing touches on their 270 million or something like that mm-hmm. renovation that they did in 2014 so i spoke with the ceo of florida citrus sports which is kind of the stewards of camping world stadium mm-hmm. and i was talking to him a little bit about the renovations and everything and he also was telling me about tinker field and so tinker field when they did the 2014 renovations the camping world the stadium plaza the bottom of the stadium cut into the tinkerfield outfield a little bit so there's still elements of tinkerfield there and they're using it as a sort of historical entrance point so in these in these renovations they're going to be highlighting tinkerfield and the history of it and he was also telling me about there's going to be a 
section in the upper levels of the stadium where if you're looking out on the tinker field where it is there's a little history lesson oh i love that so it's a great way to i don't think it was ever like a realistic option to leave it as a baseball field Mm -hmm. because we don't have spring training here nobody comes here to play really we don't have a minor league team that plays there Mm -hmm. anymore so it was sort of just a piece of history that they didn't really know what to do with so they're really going to be pushing that historical aspect the story is not really about that it's about the renovations but i that was just a little piece of information i thought was interesting that i should share with readers whether it's in a story or a podcast format i have a question about the um the world cup potentially coming here would Mm -hmm. the orlando city stadium not be a part of it World Cup games are huge. Okay. Orlando City Stadium, Exploria Stadium, I don't think it's big enough. Okay, I, think I was wondering because I didn't read anything about it anywhere, and I thought, hmm. I think the about. big venue for the for any World Cup games that could potentially happen in Orlando would be Camping World Stadium because okay. these are teams that, I mean, the World Cup is the biggest sporting event in the world. It's bigger than the Super Bowl. It's huge. Like, everybody in the world watches it. People will be coming by the thousands, hundreds of thousands to watch these games. Wow. So I think it would be a Camping World Stadium thing. I'm okay. not, I mean, I'm not a FIFA official. I don't know. But my guess is Camping World Stadium would be, I mean, we did it in 94. I know. I hope it comes back. I know. I wish I wasn't one year old when the first World Cup was here. But I can't wait for 2026. I think Orlando's going to get a spot. I feel good about it, too. There's, they're doing 10 U.S. cities, three Mexican cities, and three Canadian cities. And what time of year is the World Cup? In, in the summer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to be announcing the 10 United States host cities early next year. So keep an eye on that and read about the renovations happening to Camping World Stadium in the next edition. In the meantime, be sure to catch up on all the stories you may have missed from the September edition. The October edition will be coming to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Community Podcast. Did you like what you heard? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and tell your friends and family to do the same. Stay up to date on the latest news from the Community Paper by visiting yourcommunitypaper.com and follow them on social media. The show is produced by Nick Jorgudio. Learn more about starting your own podcast by visiting orlandopodcasting.com. In the meantime, be sure to catch up on everything you may have missed from the September issue. <laughs> What just happened? Septemberition. Septemberition. And don't forget the October. It sounds like a trick. Septemberition.